So Father, we just thank you this morning. And Lord, we have nothing without you. And we don't even, I think sometimes, I know I act like it. We act like it. But being a follower of you, Jesus, we have a huge need. And so we just ask you and pray that you would be glorified in our lives. Thank you that as we sung this morning that God, you are with us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And so Lord, we celebrate who you are, Jesus, in our lives and and in this world. And Lord, I do just pray this morning, I pray over our Vacation Bible School and over Angel and those that are helping, Lord, that you would protect them as they plan and just do things for your glory. And Lord, we just call forth the children that need to hear your gospel. They need to hear the truth. Whether they sit in our Sunday schools every Sunday or whether they have never been to our church, if they need to hear the gospel, would you bring them? And I thank you for everybody that volunteers. Not only for this VBS, but in our church in general. Lord, I know that you are glorified through Cornerstone and those who serve. And Lord, so we glorify you back this morning. I pray that you'd give me the right words to say and that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you could turn your Bibles to um, Luke 17, we won't read it yet. I'm going to recap a little bit of what we've been talking about. And I'll talk about last Sunday just for a moment. I was really overjoyed with the way you guys responded in, at the end of the service to see people coming forward and seeking God is, is something I will never grow tired of. And so, thank you guys for responding last week, and I know God will be glorified through that. As you know in the church, and here, I've been here for a year and seven months, and one of the things that we've tried to do this last year, and like Chad alluded to in the offering a little bit, is that we have been doing some wonderful things. We have been doing a lot of construction, you see the new steps, you see there's something you don't see, the outside wall was done, and then our sidewalks were were done, and the city helped with that, and we helped the city also in that. Um, But there are things that we are doing in order, what I would call, to advance the kingdom. And I realize that it's outside things, but it's just something we feel that, that we're called to do But there's also something on the inside that we're called to do. And it's called to be followers of Christ. So you see the three core values that we have at our church. If you're new and you haven't been a part of this series, you're kind of lucky because it doesn't become repetitive. It's your first time. But the first is to be a learner. And that learner encompasses a being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus. A call to die. Well, a call to follow, a call to die to self, and then a call to multiply. And I will have to say, as, I'm, as I was preaching the series, I am convicted because I'm like, Lord, how am I multiplying? So, as I preach to you, I am also learning. And that's what we want at this church, is that everybody that attends here and calls this church home, that you are a disciple of Christ, that you will be uncomfortable sometimes, Because of the obedience, but then other times you have great comfort because you're with others that are trying to do the same thing. 
And we're learners here. And then Mike preached about, I wasn't here, but I got to watch. He, he talked about the second value, which was being in authentic relationship with God and with others. And he did an awesome job. And one thing that you'll always hear from Pastor Mike, and I love it, is the gospel. The gospel. And it's in my kids' hearts and minds now. And, and they can say stuff that they were not able to say. So thank you, Pastor Mike, for your faithful service. And for giving us your word and the word of God. But then we didn't cover what it is to be authentic relationships with God and others because we did First John and that really encompassed. So you can re- listen to those of what it is to be in relationship with others. But I would say this is you cannot be in authentic relationship with others if you don't have an authentic relationship with our Creator. You can have surface relationships. You can only go so far. But when you have a deep relationship with the Father, it helps to have relationship with others. Then we talked about being a servant. And I just would like to see a raise of hands. Who has all served in this church in the last year? In some capacity. Come on. Levi, Imani, yeah, Calvin, Jared, Sandy, Dick. All you guys, okay, so you could raise, and we are well above the mark of the regular church. Is that a lot of people serve here. And so really what I'm doing is preaching to the choir. So much so that we have to have a part two this morning. But I think this morning will encourage you in a different route. Not only for in the church, but outside the church. Of being people of excellence. But I want to say thank you for serving. And one of the things that we are trying to embrace here as ministry leaders in the church is that we are servants. And that we treat those who are working well. And if I have ever on accident have not treated you well, I ask for your forgiveness. Because it's important that when we're serving, we're serving with humility and kindness and love. Because really we're in this together. And we want to see the kingdom advance together. This isn't any one-man show or or one-man thing. This is us being the body together. And Jesus being the center. And our motto is Jesus-centered but people-focused. We are doing our best to make sure that Jesus stays in the place where He is welcomed. And that is as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Nothing else. And so this morning as we start the sermon, I could either say it's going to be really short or it's going to be really long. I don't know that there's in between. But I ask for your patience this morning. Because there's a couple facets that I want to cover. And so let's read the scripture that I think could make us all mad, including myself. It's what Jesus said to his disciples. He had just got done talking in Luke 17, verses 7 through 10. He had just got done telling the disciples about stumbling blocks, but woe to him whom through they come. And then he says, it'd be better for something to be hung, a millstone to hung around their neck and thrown into the sea, than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. And then he says, be on the guard. And then he also goes on and says a few other things. And then he talked about faith. And then he talks about 
the subject that we come to this morning. And I think to read this scripture is it takes a lot of faith. And to understand what Jesus is trying to say to us. So let me read without further ado. Which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately, sit down and eat? He's asking a question. But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you may eat and drink. By this time I'm saying, that guy's a jerk. Just saying. But then it goes on to say, He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? And then Jesus admonishes them, So you too. When you do all these things which are commanded, you say, We are unworthy slaves. Or the King James Version says, Unprofitable slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. And this word for unworthy, unprofitable, just so it helps us in our mindset, in our Western mindset, because nobody wants to be called worthy or a slave. It means without need, we only did what we were supposed to do, which is what the text says. This is not a negative text. At first glance, this is a very negative text. But this text has nothing to do with the boss as much, or the employer as much as the employee. You see, it has been said that some people use this scripture, and and it said that a guy, I was reading an article on this subject, and a guy did get up in front of his company and Basically, he was a boss and he vouched for himself saying, listen, you're my servants and you don't need to be thanked. That's not what it's saying here. And I remember giving this to the ministry uh, leaders in our church and I remember kind of the shock and awe of saying, just do what you're asked to do and don't worry about getting thanked or praised. And I could just see it. They're like, I'm not going to work for you. And I'm like, I don't blame you. And I am told them very clearly, and for myself, as we always should be thankful for what others do for us. But again, this isn't about the master as much as it is about the slave. And I want you to know to serve Jesus in Luke 12, 37 and 38, just a few pages back. It says, blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. It's saying that when the master comes, he will serve those who have been serving. So I want you to know if you have put your hand to the plow and you have served and you continue to serve that you will have a reward. And I can't wait for that reward when I get to heaven. 
And then Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. But I'll be honest with you, I like the praise now. I like the pats on the back. I like to hear say, attaboy, way to go. You're doing a great job. I love all that. It makes me feel better. But if that's why I'm serving, then I've missed the point. And if you've lived life long enough and you get hit hard enough, you realize that man's accusation really doesn't matter. And who could say that better than Jesus himself? And I was struck this week by point number one is the good news. So this morning we're going to talk about the good news. You are servants of Christ. I could have used you as slaves of Christ. And followers beware. But this morning I want to talk about the gospel, the good news. And I got this text this week from my wife and said, Hey, and I asked my middle daughter if I could share this. I got a text and said, Hey, Madeline is wondering about Genesis 6.6. And so if you could turn there and to her mind and to her, it just sparked in me something pretty outrageous. Really, the audacity of God. And it says this, verses 5 through 8. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. From man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And when I got this text and was beginning to wonder what was going through the mind and the heart of my daughter, I began to think, okay, this is strange and I get it. What does she do with that truth that God was grieved and sorry that He made man? And I began to wonder about it. And this week, I began to think about A beautiful place in my mind in prayer. Just go with me there for a second. A paradise. Somewhere that's beautiful, wherever it is, whether it's falls, whether it is uh, uh, palm trees or date trees, which I love, fig trees, wherever you're at, wherever the perfect place for you is, think of that just for a moment. Envision that. But then, when I was thinking about this beautiful place, I saw a cross. And I began to embrace the cross above the beauty. Why do I share that this morning? It's because for a Christian, the cross means everything. Now, I can enjoy the beauty, but I can only enjoy the beauty to the fullness because I see it through the eyes of the cross. 
And so when I'm thinking about this text that I was sent, I'm thinking that God was grieved with man, He was sorry, but that same God who was grieved with man and sorry that He made man sent His Son to die for the very ones that grieved Him. The good news. And so why is it that a a servant of Christ, a follower of Christ, can embrace the, the ugliness of the cross over comfort and beauty because what he's seen Jesus do for them in their lives? And when we talk about being a servant, we can't do it outside of the eyes of the cross. Because when we look at the scripture of Luke 17, 7-10, it makes me angry at God. Because why can I not get a reward? Why not, Lord? Why am I supposed to do what you've asked me to do and not get thanked by you? But it's in the light of the cross that I look through it. And I'm not earning God's salvation. We can't earn that. That's the good news. If you can't earn it, you cannot lose it. That's the good news. But we serve because of what He's done. And remember a couple weeks ago, I made something that made no sense. It says that you can serve others and not truly love them. But you cannot truly love others and not serve them. But it's through the eyes of the cross. You see, sin separates us from God. He is holy, we are not. But we know Scripture. And I'm going to quote Scripture this morning. That God sent His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. To know God is eternal life. That's good news. And so this whole message is in the light of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you would go to Luke 7 with me. And just hang on with me just for a moment. Or a few moments. There's a story that we see. There was, and I'll kind of paraphrase it, but then go in and out. There was a Pharisee there, that Simon. And there was a lady that came in and she wouldn't stop gushing all over Jesus. She was crying on his feet. She was wiping his feet with her hair. She wouldn't stop kissing his feet. And remember we talked just a couple weeks ago that the feet in the Eastern culture, I don't think I talk about, are very dirty. And so if you can imagine this lady is doing this, insulting herself. And Simon begins to think, hey, if this is truly a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is that is doing this. And Jesus in his... Greatness. Because Simon said this to himself. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. If Jesus has something to say to you, you better listen. And he replied, say it, teacher. 
A money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, which is a day's worth of wages. So 500 days worth of wages and the other 50 day wages. And when they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them. So which of them will love him more? Simon wisely answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and I gave, you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But look, since the time I came in, this woman has been kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil. This lady anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins have been forgiven, which are many, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. He who has been forgiven little loves little. Let's go to point two. I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know where you are at in your servanthood. But I want to be really honest with you. Sometimes I'm just too honest. Sometimes I just get tired of serving. You ever been there? I'm just tired. I've got a lot to do at home. I have a lot to do in my work and and I want us to transcend just church life into work life. You've got a lot going on. And it's not slowing down. And we get tired. We get worn out. Really so much so the world has so much president that in our lives that sometimes the church gets your second best. But I want you to know I understand. That we get tired. And sometimes we get tired of serving. But I want you to remember what Jesus has done for you. I want you to remember that you are forgiven. And that you serve out of a place of not need for salvation. But you serve out of a place of honoring the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are servants of Christ. And I wanted to touch real quick on what a bondservant is. We hear that. And when the disciples and when we see the Bible, they often talk about, I am a servant of the Lord. And oftentimes in the New Testament, when they're talking slave, they mean bondservant. And different things, we see slavery in the Bible. But a bondservant is a little bit different than what we know of slavery in the 17th and 18th century of America. Where people were ravaged, taken from their home, and beaten and abused and used to advance different people's causes. And the Bible in no way condones that. It speaks against it. But then there is a slavery that they had in a system that came, and it's what I will call bondservant this morning, is that you, if you were in debt, you would give yourself to somebody and work off your debt. They would pay you. 
to work it off. And then you either worked off the debt and you were free. Or after, if you were a Jew, after six years you would be a free man. And you can look at it later. It's in Exodus 21, 5-6. But after this process was done, if the slave loved the master, he would become a bondservant. And he would actually declare, I better go there, or it's on the screen. So, it's up there. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children... I will not go as a free man. And then the second part is, Then his master shall bring him to God. Then he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an A-W-L, because this Arkansas boy doesn't want to try to pronounce that. And he shall serve him permanently. There's something that has taken place in this servant's life, in the slave's life, that says, I love my master, I am going to serve him. And we talked about this at men's group yesterday morning. Is it so often we're in this process of God working in our lives, and we want to get off the will, the potter's will, and we want to go away. And, and we talked about, man, it's so hard to put yourself back on there. You want to jump off, you want to get on, you want to jump off, you want to get back on. But we encouraged one another yesterday to let's cling to the cross. Let's ask God to help us to say, hey Lord, my life truly is a living sacrifice and I'm going to hold on to that cross and please do not let me go of it because I know my tendency to wander. But a bondservant says, no, I'm going to do a mark. I'm going to pierce my ear against a wall and I'm going to say I'm my servant's forever. And the scripture says that you and I have been bought with a price. That price was with the Son of God who, who shed His blood, whom we grieved deeply. And whom those who are not under Jesus Christ continue to grieve. Look at Romans 3. You don't have to look there, but when you have time, you'll see the heart of those who are not in Christ. And it is not a good sight. We have been bought with a price. So if you go to Ephesians 6, 5 through 8, I am going to repeat a few scriptures, or they're going to have one central theme in them. So I think it will make us make it to where we can go through fast. So Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. And my whole heart this morning was to kind of change our minds about something. Is who are we working for? Whether in the house of God or in secular work, whatever you do outside of it, who are you working for? I think oftentimes we forget about who we are working for. Some of you have been in favorable conditions and some have been in unfavorable conditions. And that's why I love that Annalise shared her testimony. And she was effective for those two months. For the kingdom of God. So there are situations that, man, we need to remove ourselves out of. Then there are situations that we just need to stick it out. But we all know and we're hearing from God and we're listening. Favorable conditions would be you have a great boss. You have freedom to do whatever you want. 
You love the people and the culture. Life is good. You are challenged, but you are doing what you are meant to do. Unfavorable conditions. Bad boss. No freedom. You don't like the people you work with or the culture. Life is bad. Stress comes any time you think about it. You've been there? Have you been there? I've been there and done that. But even in the worst of circumstances, even in the worst, you have the worst boss or the worst culture that you're in, you still have to remember who you're serving. We're serving Jesus Christ. We're not serving man. And we have to remember that even if you've come to serve at Cornerstone Church, you are not serving a structure. You are not serving a leadership team. You are not serving the elders. You are serving Jesus Christ Himself. And I've got Scripture to back it up. So Ephesians 6, 5-8. through Slaves. Let's just say employees. Be obedient to those who are your masters, your employers according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, insincerity of your heart, as to Christ, not by the way of eye service as men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And this word heart um, is the soul deep within. You're doing what you do deep within. With good will render services to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. If we could just key in for a moment that we don't do what we do so we can be seen by others. We have the audience of one, and that is Jesus Christ Himself. And Christians should be the best employees out there. Christians should be the best bosses out there. And I want to encourage you that way this morning. So Colossians 3 kind of says the same thing, but in a little bit different light. If you're struggling in your job, this may be some scriptures that you need to look at, so I would encourage you to write them down and meditate on them. Verses 20 through, 22 through 25, chapter 3. Slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth. Not with external service, according to the flesh. As to those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done. And that without partiality. So there is a time to coming. Those who are not treating others well and are not being good stewards, they will have consequences. But we cannot worry about the consequences. We have to worry about how we are serving. 
So I could twist the scripture and say, you need to serve better. You need to do this and that, but honestly, you guys are doing a good job. Keep up the good work. But I want to go a little bit broader. Just a little bit more evangelistic. Is it what happens if you would say, hey, I'm from Cornerstone Church, and you are the best worker that they've got, or at least one of them. You are giving a good name, not only to our church, but to the kingdom of God. So that as Annalise said, when you're talking to somebody who has a hard heart, and I've worked for people that cuss you up and down, and and you want to get off that lawnmower and beat them. You do, I promise you. And it was my big brother. So I, and he was big, but he was mean. He, he's not mean, he's great. But by the end, if we are serving Jesus Christ and if we are keeping that perspective, you will have an impact on their lives. And then 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 6 verses 1 through 2. Now I'm almost wrapping it up, so just hang on with me just for a moment. All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. Those who have believers as their masters must not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but must serve them all the more because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved. Teach and preach these principles. And so if you have a Christian employer, do your best, even if they're not great. To serve them. To minister to them. Because I think what happens sometimes, you can take advantage of another brother. I've heard it. Some people say, I don't want any Christians working for me. They're the worst employees. And I'm just like, when I look at these scriptures, let it not be us. Let it not be us. And that's the encouragement this morning. But if you do have a believer you're working for, give it your all just as you would for an unbeliever. But do it unto the Lord. And if you're in circumstances that are less than ideal in home life, or you're serving in a way that that is harder than what you ever imagined, keep up the good work. Do it as unto the Lord. He has your reward. And the scripture says, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap what you sow. I added the reap what you sow, so if you Bible checkers, you'll see that. So number three, followers beware. So I want to encourage you this morning. I don't want to ask you why are you serving? What's your point? Why are we pointing out these scriptures in Luke 17, 7 through 10? What's your point? I remember when I first got saved, I wanted to win the world. I knew I was going to win the world. Started the book of Revelation. I mean, 
That's what we do, right? Non-fire, sinner, that's what he's going to do. But the more life has happened, the more mistakes that I've made, the, the harder it has come to reach people in the Muslim world and different areas, God has begun to chop those unwanted motives, those, un, those motives that were wrong for why I want to serve. He began to chop them off and He continues to chop them off. But He began to say, this isn't why I saved you. So why are you serving? Now when I say this isn't why I saved you, it wasn't, I didn't save you to have power over others. And if we're not careful, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. That is our tendency. That's what the world says to do. That's where we go. But we're not to do that. So why are you serving? And why should you serve as unto the Lord? Do you have a self-interest? Do you want others to recognize you? Do you want power and authority? And I'm asking me the same questions. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And I'll admit to you that some of you who are new and you want to put your hand to the plow, you want to be a part of this community. And I just say, welcome. Welcome. Give us grace as we serve together. But do it as unto the Lord. And join our community. We will fall on our faces flat a hundred times. But every time, we're going to get back up. And we're going to brush ourselves off and say, Jesus, this is unto you. It's unto you. And then, do I want to share the love of Christ with others? Is that why I'm serving? Do I want to be a blessing to others? Is that why I'm serving? That is why I go back to point number one. We always need to see everything in the light of Jesus Christ and the cross. The good news. When we lose that focus, we can't do it. So if the worship team would come. I want to end this morning in just encouraging you. When I look at Luke 17, 7 through 10, I don't look at it again as a bad employee, a pl- employer, a bad boss. I look at it through the heart of the servant. I remember being in Turkey, and American culture says, You thank everybody for everything that they do for you. That's the polite thing to do. You say, thank you, yes ma'am, no ma'am. That's the southern culture, but you say this, and it used to probably be everywhere. You said, thank you, no thank you. You were very polite with your pews and cues. Well, we did that, and it's always funny to see newcomers come to Turkey because they would do the same thing. And you would see these waiters and these people that work look at you like, why are you thanking me? I'm only doing what I'm getting paid to do. It doesn't mean they didn't appreciate it. It doesn't mean we stopped saying thank you, but they got it. And as a servant of Christ, thank you for serving, but remember who you serve. That way when somebody doesn't say thank you or great job, which we should, I'm not advocating that we shouldn't, but you know 
that God is up in heaven looking down and saying, Well done! Good job! You're serving me as into the, unto the Lord and your jewels are in heaven. And there will be one day that we lay these crowns at the feet of Jesus. That is good! All this heartache, all this suffering, all this pain, but all this joy, everything that I've accomplished in life, I'm going to lay before the King of Kings and say, this is for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So if you could stand with me this morning.